Good morning. My name is Brian Miller. I'm the College Life Minister at the a Church of Christ. I'm thankful for technology. At this time when um, we need to be connected more but can't be physically in each other's presence, what a blessing. I was thinking that if we were 30, 40, maybe even 20 years ago, 20 years ago, we were in this circumstance we're in now, how difficult it would be because we wouldn't have the social media, we wouldn't have the texting, emailing ability. We would call maybe, but we had to be actually physically present where the phone was hanging on our wall or sitting in a table perhaps um, in our living room. So while technology is a great blessing, and I am thankful for it, grateful, no question, it is yet insufficient, isn't it? Even in the midst of having to use it more and being glad to see faces and to hear voices, I've been reminded about how wise God was, as a wise father would be, in encouraging us and wanting us to be in each other's physical presence. Being connected by technology isn't a good substitute for community and the life of the body together. So I'm anxiously looking toward the time, forward to the time when we can be together. I'm missing you. Um, looking forward to when we can actually just enjoy the community of uh, believers together in the same physical space. So I've had difficulty sleeping. What happens is I go to sleep I go to bed and I'll go to sleep pretty rapidly. But then after about an hour or an hour and a half, I'm waking back up again and I'm awake for quite a while. Leslie and I joke that three o'clock in the morning is typically the time when my mind has seemed to wind down and I am able to sort of just doze off finally. It's concerns, it's worries, it's prayers, it's maybe encapsulated in the what ifs. What if this happens? What if this happens? What if school doesn't start back? What if we don't get to do this? What about a second wave? All the things that my mind will process in sort of the quietness and darkness of the night have kept me awake. So that's not really a diagnosis, but it's sort of my theory about what's happening. Um, in this area of what ifs, I was talking to one of our students recently who's planning for a wedding. And of course, long before this all started, there were the concerns and thoughts about all the things that have to happen for a wedding to, to happen. And those can be also sort of uh, verbalized in a what if. What if this happens? What if we don't get this? What if there's, what if it rains? I mean, all of the, all of the things that you think about when you're planning big events. And she said that in all of the what, what if wildness, she never considered a pandemic. So those thoughts of what ifs have been keeping me up, but I mentioned a minute ago, and it's true that the prayers have too. And there have been times when I've been praying and I have almost felt like there was my, I was speaking aloud, speaking aloud to no audience. And that is somewhat captured in the Psalms of Lament. And we're going to be looking at a Psalm of Lament, Psalm 77. So if you'll get your Bible, 
turn to page whatever it is, Psalm 77, open up your phone <clears throat> or your iPad or computer and just wait there. We'll come back in just a second. I was thinking about college students specifically. All the things that they're missing, whether you're graduating or even an underclassman. Muster in person. We had it last night. I loved the visual at the end when they had the candles uh, that spelled out here. I loved that. <clears throat> but yet it was from a distance. Of course, graduation, ring dance, ring turning, devos, AFC devos. This weekend, we were actually going to be retreating those who are graduating <clears throat> out at Camp Creek to spend time together, to sort of reminisce, to play games, to talk. Um, we did it last year for all those graduating in 2019, whether it was May, August, or December. We were doing it this year. This weekend, we were supposed to be out there. Of course, we're not doing that. And that just is um, sort of touching the surface that's just what can come to my mind of all the things or some of the things that we're missing. And even undergraduates, um, juniors, many of them were getting their rings and they were going to have parties with family and friends celebrating that milestone. So our AFC students and even high school students, certainly, and even all of us who are not students are coming to grips with these expectations that never were realized. These hopeful things that were never that never came to fruition in that vein what we have is we have a video i'd like you to see of three of our students who are seniors who are sort of trying to capture some of their thoughts around what they're feeling and experiencing so this isn't um, a bunch of students who are saying you know quick little snippets these this is meant to be a little bit more extensive and so we have three students who are gonna share some of their thoughts um, during this time. The most difficult thing about just these crazy times for me has definitely been feeling like I'm stuck in a place of uncertainty. Um, I'm very much someone who likes to have a plan. I like to be in control of that plan, to know every step of the plan. And so to be in a time where the best thing that I can do is to stay home and do nothing is, it just goes against every way that I'm wired um, and I've been kind of struggling with just feeling like I'm leaving this stage of life unfinished and I'm just very conscious of kind of the goodbyes I didn't get to say or the things that I didn't know I was doing for the last time and kind of feeling like this door to my college years of life just kind of closed way faster than I intended it to and it's definitely been just a humbling reminder that my plans are not my own, that God is greater, God is in control, and He's taking me on a path that He wants for me. It's very sad, and it's extremely depressing to think about the fact that I won't get to have one more Thursday night with all my family, with all my, my close friends, the body that meets on Academic Plaza. It's extremely sad to get to think about that, but it's comforting to know that God still has a plan in all of this. And even when I try to put it in perspective, I can't think about how beautiful and wonderful the plan that God has is. And this is one extremely important chapter in everybody's lives that's involved in it now. And it's extremely important in mine. 
to have to step out in faith and trust that everything is going to work. There's a peace and a serenity in knowing that it's not just all happening by chance, that there is a being, there is a creator and a divine power behind all of this going on that is directing and overseeing all of what we have going on around us. And I don't fully understand it now, and I don't know if I ever will, but I find comfort in saying those words that my God, the power and the, and the being that I trust and that I love has got this even when I don't understand it. Being forced to be pulled away from like college for me, Aggies for Christ, going to church at a building, uh, friends, family, but most importantly, eating at Fuego. <laughs> Satan knows how to attack and distract me through my immediate loss of connections as someone like me who receives energy by being around people. I have connected through Psalm 13, which is a lament to God in a time of despair. To me, the how long question resembles how we are destined to turn to the Lord in our despair. In situations like the world today, Satan tells us that God isn't there and he uses our idleness to attack our biggest weaknesses, which for me is the feeling of loneliness. It's easy to lose motivation to seek God and remember everything he has done for us. But that's exactly what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to continuously lay our worries at his feet and lament with him because of his unfailing love and sovereign care. Just like Psalm 13 ends, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation and I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Remember to rejoice in salvation because of how good he is to us. And that gives me great comfort. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Avery. And thank you, Faith, for your words. So you're in Psalm 77, perhaps. Hopefully we're gonna look at some of the verses. We're not gonna read through the whole Psalm at once. Love for you to do that later. We're going to look at specific verses. Many of the verses we'll look at, but we're not going to read through the whole psalm in anticipation of you doing that later. And then I'm going to mention a couple other psalms that you ought to piggyback on Psalm 77 to get a, com a more complete picture of lament, but also celebration. So in Psalm 77, um, it is a psalm of lament. And so it has this sort of complaining, questioning, mournful um, tone about it. Um, Asaph, the writer, is expressing a frustration about whatever circumstances happen to be uh, his at the moment, or maybe the nation of Israel. And we're going to look at specific verses. So, and I'm going to read the verses, then make a few comments about each. So the first passage we're going to look at is verse uh, 2 through verse 4. Or verse 2 and verse 4, excuse me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord at night. I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be consoled. And then verse 4. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. So it seems like the writer perhaps was not sleeping very well also. But one of the important points here is that even in his distress, he chose to go toward God. 
one of the cautions that um, might need to be stated is that sometimes in our deepest distresses, we just sort of, um, sort of just get enveloped in ourself and dwell in the thoughts and the negativity and the sadness and discouragement. When that should propel us towards seeking God. So the writer is seeking God at this point, but he's inconsolable. Um, he can't sleep. His Maybe his crying out to God is what's keeping him awake. But have you ever been so distraught that you can't explain what it is that you're even feeling or thinking, or you can't even just get it <clears throat> captured in a few sentences? So the writer says, even though... Uh, I was awake even though I couldn't talk in my eyes. Have your eyes ever been so tired and you just wanted to sleep so badly, but it was still so elusive? That seems to be what the writer of this psalm is expressing. Then in verses 7 through 9, we have six questions in succession. So verses 7 through 9. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? These, saw, these questions reminded me of sometimes when I've been frustrated uh, and I might go, what were you thinking? What are you doing? What did you think was gonna happen? Who are you? We just sort of spew these questions in frustration. And that's what happens in 7 through 9. But then in verse 10, it changes. See, he says, then I thought. And then verse 11, we start seeing the change. The lament and mournful sadness, the questioning, where is God? Then the change, because he started thinking. And what did he start thinking of? Verse 11, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. One of the important things about uh, the Bible is it's calling on our memories. And he's got the questions in 7 through 9, but then in verse 10 and 11, he starts going through uh, the answer. And where is his answer found? His answer is found in his faith and in his memory. Memory <clears throat> and faith <clears throat> are somewhat linked because our faith is fueled often by our memories. Then, moving on, verse 13, it says, Your ways are holy. What God is as great as our God? And this is where I would like for you later to go to Psalm 113 and you see a beautiful psalm that answers that question. What God is as holy or as great as our God? Then verse 19, your path led to the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. One of the things that is a constant uh, technique of the writers in the Old Testament is a recalling of God's deliverance through the Red Sea and across the Jordan River. On dry land, he delivered his people. He rescued them. <clears throat> but 
what it says here and what they would have known then is that, or maybe had processed after the event through history in their years of oral exchange of the stories was that God walked or went with them, but his footprints were not seen. Now, I think that's cool. The fact that God went before and he led them on the dry land, but during the time it was happening, you couldn't necessarily detect God's presence or availability. And that gives me comfort. I have a few points that I want to show you about what I see. Number one, no fake smile required and no mean face. What I mean by that is that we don't have to be timid. We can be confident in our expressions to God. He is able to take our complaint. <clears throat> so we don't have to stay level-headed. We don't have to keep our emotions in check. We can express all that we want to God. And then no mean face. I don't know about you parents, but there have been times when I think my kids have said, oh, but you had a mean face or have a mean face. I've been thinking about that lately. I said it to the AFC in a class. The fact that we can approach God and not be thinking, oh, he's got his mean face. There's no need to do that. Point two is that we can and should celebrate God. Every time is the right time to worship, even in the inconsolable times. Point three, good is happening even when you can't see it. And we know good has happened because it's happened before and we didn't see it. Just a quick list of all the things that scripture tells us that God is sovereign over. You can think of your own list. This is partial. Wind, thunder, lightning, snow, frogs, gnats, flies, locusts, quails, worms, sparrows, lilies, grass, trees, famine and harvest, prison doors, gravestones, blindness, deafness, all diseases, travel plans, planets, constellations, hail, sunrise, sunset, and nations. And that's not even a complete list. Sometimes when we feel like God is absent, we think in this void that Satan will step into. I read a phrase recently that I really liked. I'm going to share it with you now. I think about it rather frequently. It is this. God has Satan on his leash, and it's not the other way around. <clears throat> I wanted to finish this morning by reading some verses from Psalm 91. I'm going to pause for a second, let you go to Psalm 91, and then I'm going to share a few verses. This is not a psalm of lament. This is a psalm of celebration, of acknowledgement of the power and sovereignty of our God, which is where we should find ourselves, even in mournful times, both happy times and sad times, God is worthy of praise. Psalm 91, because there is a specific verse or two that addresses what we're currently experiencing. Psalm 91, verse 1, verse 2, parts of 3, verse 5 and 6. It's a longer psalm. You can read it later, but that's what I'm going to read this morning. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. 
I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my Lord in whom I trust. Surely he was, will save you from the deadly pestilence. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Let us take comfort in God's sovereignty and in his word, his faithfulness, and his abiding presence. Sean Burrow is going to speak to you now um, and give practical tips to AFC students, to all of us who are experiencing uh, loss in the sense that we are not being able to live how we would have planned, um, how we're missing out, these feelings that are hard to sometimes verbalize. Sean, the director of our uh, Christian Counseling Center and a minister of our church, is going to share with you some practical tips that would be ways to approach how we're living now. Thank you, Brian. Howdy, AFCers and others who are watching this morning. Throughout the last few weeks, you might have been feeling just a sense of loss or sadness about not experiencing what should have happened. If you have felt that way lately, then I want to speak to you just for a moment. You might feel like you've had a few things snatched away in this last half of the semester. Maybe it's a Bible study. Maybe it's an intergen group that you belong to. Maybe it's your last school finals at A&M, or maybe not. Maybe it's your favorite restaurant, like Fuego's. Maybe it's up-and-coming events that may have been canceled, such as summer mission trips. Maybe it's even a wedding. Or maybe it's just being together at the A&M Church for one last time as a senior. So Psalm 77 is a great chapter for us to hear the words and connect with what's being communicated in God's Word. This idea of lament or our expression of sorrow and sadness may be focused on experiences that are not being fulfilled can bring a great sense of disappointment and even depressive responses. This global pandemic has created a new reality marked by grief and loss. The disruptions in the normal routines and rhythms of everyday life contribute to the lingering unease and sadness that we're all feeling. Not only are we mourning the loss of thousands of lives, but we are also mourning the loss of normalcy. You might be experiencing an overload of information trying to keep up with all the facts that are going on about the pandemic while experiencing an underwhelming connection with the ones you love. So, here are five ways that you can deal with these types of feelings when you find yourself there. Number one, real simple, reach out to each other. Reach out to someone. Let them know that you love them and that you're thinking about them. It can make a world of difference, not only to them, but to the way that you're serving others. Number two, spend time remembering funny and unique memories that you've made with others. Trips that you uh, have taken together and, and the memories that you made on those trips. 
share those with each other. Number three, I want to encourage you to not only text each other, but also call the people that you're missing. To hear their voice can be really encouraging. Number four, share a verse uh, of encouragement with somebody that you're missing or somebody that you know that needs it. So God's word is powerful and always encouraging. So share that with those that are around you. Number five, be aware of the expectations that you have, especially during this time, because we need to be aware of the expectations that might have been broken during this time. So this is an opportunity to reset some of those to new expectations. And when you do that, this will affect our emotional, relational, spiritual walk with God and with others. So as we experience grief and loss throughout these times, we have to remember that we are only grieving temporarily because of the hope we have in Christ. Sometimes our lens is affected by our experiences, which can let the what-ifs, fears creep in. So this morning, I want to encourage you to have God as your foundation and lean on His strength during this time. I'm going to leave you with Psalms 46, 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. God is our refuge. I hope and pray that you have a great rest of the day, and I hope that this has been helpful in your journey through this time. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness.